You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Hello and welcome to The Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer and Micah Richards. Uh, we've had a bumper midweek of FA Cup action to enjoy and we've been up and down the country following it. All three of us were at the Alan Shearer derby on Tuesday evening, which we'll be talking about later in the show. Last night, Alan and I were at the city ground uh, with Wayne Rooney to enjoy a cracker between Nottingham Forest and Manchester United. And all our teams have gone through. Well, Mike has got lots of teams, not all of his. <laughs> teams but certainly Manchester City Newcastle went through Leicester went through which is producer Harry's team and producer John's team Wolves they're through as well so we've got four of the last eight but Alan what a draw what a draw for Newcastle dearie you me. know what it is I never normally swear do I but what the fuck's <laughs> going on with a draw with Newcastle this year have you seen the draws Newcastle have had I've got it in front of me Champions League draw, AC Milan home and away, Paris Saint-Germain home and away, Borussia Dortmund home and away, cup draws, Man City at home, Man United away, Chelsea away, (laughs) Sunderland away, Fulham away, Blackburn away, and now Manchester fucking City away. (laughs) Ow! You know the Champions League works home and away, you know that? That's why I said home and away, but we could have had an easier group. Yeah. Come on. I mean, Talk about doing the it the hard way. Uh, you were saying the tune, the tune, we're in the Champions League. <laughs> we don't care who we get. We just want the great nights. That's what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, but but what a draw for us three, really. There yeah. you've got, you know, Manchester City and Newcastle. We'll be there, I'm sure. Because the way it works in this round, because as I'm sure you all know at home, we, we share the FA Cup currently. That's about to change in a year or two. But we currently share the FA Cup with ITV. 
and it kind of rotates the picks between each round. So in the round that's just gone, I think we had the first pick. It's now ITV's turn for first pick. We get picks two and three. I absolutely assume that ITV will go with uh, Manchester United, Liverpool. I think take that as a given. I think the next two ties, um, forgive us, John, but Wolves might be might be left to the end here. And I think we'll go with <laughs> Manchester City against Newcastle and then and Chelsea against Leicester, repeat of the 2021 final, of course. But let's let's talk about the games. We'll, we'll start with the, the match we were at last night. Alan, I think you've been getting a bit of love from, bizarrely, from Manchester United fans, even though you, you were quite critical of one or two of their players' performances. I never normally get any love from Man United fans, <laughs> especially on social media. I, I'm not one for looking at social media when you've been a pundit or no. particularly <laughs> been a co-commentator after a game. But because we got stuck in the ground for about half an hour after the game last night, I thought, oh, I'll just sit in the back of the car and have a little scroll through. And bizarrely, it was like, yeah, I agree with Shearer, what he said, how we played, how about about Rashford and Anthony and Garnaccio and Bruno and everything else. So I was amazed, yeah. Yeah. Can I just ask you, Alan? Obviously, being a pundit, being in the studio, you don't get that much time. A co-com, you you know, throughout the game. So you've got to be on it yeah, for, yeah. for 90 minutes plus. Do you get more nervous for co-coms than the, the studio? Do you have to do more planning? He's got a face for co-coms though, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't get I don't get nervous. I think the buzz is probably a little bit more and better for the co-coms because there's definitely more pressure on co-coms because you've mm. got to tell it how it is instantly. You know, you've got to look at so many other different parts of the game. It's always flowing and moving. You've got to call a decision as you see. You've got like three or four seconds to to make up your mind, whereas you're in the studio as a pundit, you know, and you've got a few minutes and certainly a lot longer to make your mind up on a decision, etc. And you'll see several more angles in the studio before you come back to your half-time or full-time. So it's more difficult being a, a co-com than it is being a pundit. But I really enjoy it, you know, because you're, you're looking at the game, you're up top, you're looking right down onto it and you can see different formations, where he's gone and what have you. So... Yeah, I really enjoy that side of it. I enjoy both. I have to say, um, I, I really hate to do this. This is this is this. I find this quite painful. But you're actually quite bloody good at coms because <laughs> thank it you. Is, I know, I know. It's um, yeah. Frank, I was going to say the same thing as well. Yeah. It annoyed oh, me. God, that this the is, transition has been seamless. It's actually oh, it's, pissed it's, me right it's off. Quite, to be honest, it's quite nauseating, isn't it? Really, it's oh, quite lads, nauseating. Come, I hope but, but this. Difficult... I'm keeping this forever. Yeah. <laughs> It is a difficult gig, though, but I thought, you, you know, you get it right. You've got the the passion, which is always important when you're there, but also the knowledge and not over-talking, which I think is a kind of issue with a lot of co-commentators. It's like incessant, mm. and that's become more of a thing in, in the modern game. You, you go back, well, there never used to be co-commentators when yeah. I played, but commentary in general now, they, there's a lot more talking over the game than, than there used to be. I'm a bit old school on, on that one. But yeah, well done, Al. Begrudging, begrudging it, lads, praise. I'm, lo but... I'm, lo I'm loving your love this morning. Oh, yeah. So what do we make? I mean, Forrest had one or two half chances. There weren't mm. many chances in the whole game, really, were they? It started well. It was started quite exciting. Well, yeah. Good atmosphere, as always, at the City ground. Man United had two or three really good chances in the first 10 or 15 minutes. McTominay had a couple. Yeah. Anthony hit the bar with a really well-worked corner. And then Forrest had a couple of chances as well, but 
I mean, the, particularly second half, I thought the game was yeah was really slow and two teams who were struggling in forward positions. wasn't a great game in the end, but it doesn't matter in cup football at all. Yeah. The pressure was on Man United to get through to the quarterfinals, and they did exactly that. And that's all that matters, isn't it? Doesn't you can analyze the performance as much as you want. They just had to get through to the quarterfinals, and they did that. Eric Ten Hag at, at the end of the game was asked the question about trying to find more consistency. And he was saying, well, we have been consistent. And it's certainly since the turn of the year, apart from the Fulham game the previous week. I'm not convinced, though, Michael, with, with United. Are, are you? I mean, it's not, it's not free-flowing. I mean, they, they've ground out the results by and large, but I, I can see a bad spell coming as well. I mean, they have had injury problems and issues, but then most teams have. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you on that, guys. I, I think... Analyzing Man United and sort of scrutinizing all the time because of the size of them, sometimes it's a little bit of an overreaction. They was in good form, but even when they was winning those games, it wasn't like, oh my God, they look amazing. This is a style of play. This is how they're playing. Like all the strikers are on absolute fire. Hoyland was in good form, mm. but as soon as he come out the team, the whole dynamic of the team changes. And that's when you look at a team. So take Liverpool, for example. No matter who they have in the team, even if it's the young pups that they've put in, and we'll get onto that a little bit later, it's like they've been conditioned in a way to play. Yes, of course, it helps when things are going well. Of course it does. But they know the roles within the team. So if Liverpool are going to press, the young kids are going to run around. Yeah. With Man United, it only takes one or two players to come out of the team and it just falls apart. That's the bit which I can't quite grasp with Man United at this moment. They've got the derby at the weekend. Man City are in great form. And one thing I would like to add as well, you asked me the question about Ten Hag. I respect journalists, you know, good and bad. When I've played well, they've given them a credit. When I've not played so well, you know, they've been honest and said, I need to do better. But I don't like the fact when they're going to press conferences and they're basically saying, Michael Richards said X, Y, Z. Carragher said, basically, this is what happened. If you're a journalist and you're going to ask a question, surely be big enough, believe in your ability and have the credibility to ask the questions that you really want to ask, rather than having the cop out and saying, Gary Neville said X, Y, Z. Karen, I, I just don't like that. And an example was on uh, Sky and we was talking about, I think Gary Neville used the word complacent. So someone said, somewhere down the line, Gary Neville said, Man City have been complacent today. And he wasn't saying in that. That wasn't in the context. He said, maybe they've been a little bit complacent. Mm. Then he runs with that. Next minute, you've got Pep. We talked about it on the pod, yeah. basically saying... Oh, well, Gary Neville's not won four in a row. Uh, Jamie's never won it. And Mike has only won one. But that was not the context. So if you're going to ask the questions, believe in your ability, you know? That's been an irritant of mine for a long time, Mike. I've had that happen to me so many times where you might tweet something or it might be on TV when you're giving an opinion. And, and suddenly there's a journalist going, oh, 
Lineker said this or Shearer said that. Exactly as you say, completely out of context. Have the courage of your convictions. And most journalists do. I mean, let's say most journalists do have that, but there are the exceptions and they use it. And I've always taken umbrage with that. I think it's, unless you put it in everything in the proper context, which they would never do in a press conference at the end of the game, it's completely unfair to do that. Yeah, but you know why they're doing it? It's, it's it, Today's is clickbait. Clickbait, of course he it said is, yeah. That. But you know what? I mean, you get frustrated because the journalists ask that. I get frustrated because the managers answer that. It, yeah. Honestly, I cannot for the life of me. I, I don't know why Ten Hag this week or Pochettino or this week was asked about Gary Neville's comment. Ten Hag was asked about Jim. I don't know why the managers say, I don't give a fuck what he says. Why are you asking me a question about that? I don't care what they say. That would be clickbait if they said, I don't give a fuck what <laughs> well, Alan Shearer they can, says. They've got their opinion, which is fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, like you are, I am, Gary is, Jamie is, uh, whoever. Why, why should he have to answer a question about what they said? I would just say, fine, I haven't listened to what they've said. I don't really care what they said. Ask me another question. The other thing about managers as well is I've, I've found over the years is that even the really successful ones, we'll eulogise about them week in, week out. We'll say how great they are, how they're planning, what amazing managers. And then you might have an off day and you have one negative comment and that is the yeah. one thing that a manager will remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and then they'll and you, you, you'll think to yourself, God, why is, why is he having a go at us when we're always so kind to them? And then, but that's kind of, you know, it's a little bit like when you see people having a pop at you on, on you know, you might have, talking about Alan's co-commentary, for example, you might have had 2,000 people saying how great he was and, and one person saying you're shit. And that's the one that actually <laughs> hurts you. Yeah. And it, it, it <laughs> makes you, hurts your feelings a little bit. But there we go. So, so man, you've crept through into the next round. Yeah. Marcus Rashford's becoming a bit of an enigma, isn't he? Mm. I'm not sure centre-forward is, is a, a nine role, I should say, is, is probably right for him. But he is enigmatic, isn't he? I mean, last season he was amazing. The season before that he struggled. Now he's struggling again this season. What do you think we can put that down to? Is, is he a confidence player, do you think? Well, I mean, yeah, he's, a, he's definitely a confidence player and he's you can clearly see he do, he's not comfortable or doesn't really want to play centre-forward, which, okay, that's fine. He wants to come off the left-hand side, but they haven't got a centre-forward at the minute, so he's having to play there. I just got frustrated a few times with him last night because of his body language, you know, with his arms thrown in the air and trying to blame other people and everyone else. And I mean, he's no youngster anymore, so he's the one that needs to be and has to be setting the example uh, in terms of pressing and closing down because the season that he had last season was just oh, phenomenal. Yeah. Everyone's going to gauge you by that now, aren't they? They're going to look at that. That's what you've done. That's what you can do. But then you get back to this season, six goals I think he's got and he's been nowhere near it this season. And whether there's something going on in his mm. private life we yeah. don't know about or whether he's not happy or uncomfortable, it just looks a very frustrated footballer mm. at this moment in time. And that's what sort of I don't know. It got to me last yeah. night. It wasn't. He wasn't the only one. So I'm not. I'm not just picking on him. No, no. It's it's a shame, really, when you look because he's he's so gifted and so talented and so so. Mind so you, great. you know what? In that team, and I said it last night on the Corecoms, I'd get bloody frustrated in that team as yeah, well, there playing is that. with Anthony on the right side. Keep on forever coming in on his left. Garnacho on the left. Keep on forever coming in on his right side. I would get frustrated at times as well. One trick, Tony. Cool. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Like it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Should have used that one last night. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on. Which game did you watch? You watched United last night, Michael. I watched you, but I was flipping between because yeah. Liverpool was on. I wanted to hear how Rooney was doing with the analysis. I thought it was really good. Give some really good insight. I thought the show was 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 brilliant, but then I was looking at um, Liverpool game as well. Just as I flicked over, I seen the first Dan's goal. Yeah, was it the yeah. little dink? Dink, I believe. The little dink. Just as I turned over. Yeah, uh, we'll come we'll come to to that in a second. But I just because when you're in the studio with someone, obviously Wayne Rooney's not done that much punditry, but I mean he's he's Wayne Rooney. He's brilliant. I thought, I mean he's a lovely lad, you know. Yeah, I mean, what you know, whatever you think, and I thought his punditry was really insightful, and he was honest about his managerial issues and his his future and his plans and his ambitions. I enjoyed having him alongside. He's he's a, he's a top lad. He really is. You know, as a presenter, guys, can you can you feel when someone's nervous? So say like someone's doing it for the first time. Did, or was he nice and relaxed? Or I thought he was you know, pretty relaxed. Sometimes people's stature, they're just like. I'm mm. Wayne Rooney. I'm gonna turn up. Same. He's not. He's not that sort of person, though, Micah. He's not. I, I know, he's, exactly. he's not got a so, massive ego, Wayne Rooney. I, exactly. I just, he's just like one of the lads. He's down to earth. He's kind of unaffected, I think, by his. I mean, let's face it. Unbelievable career. I mean, yeah. what a footballer Jeez. he is. But he's he's the most unaffected person in in many ways. And he's. He, I thought he seemed he pretty relaxed. Yeah. He was. I thought he was honest about his his, his managerial career. I thought it was quite interesting that he's, you know, did a bit of research and the fact that he's actually never paid a penny for any footballer yet in all in, in the jobs that he's had in management. So because wow. he came in at Derby and they had financial problems obviously and they were docked all those points and then even in Washington DC had a few loan players but never splashed out any money and then to Birmingham obviously he was there such a short period of time he didn't even get to the window um, where he could perhaps have affected things so I think he's desperate for a chance to get a job where maybe starts in gets a pre-season for example and, and, and signs one or two players that are his own um, so you could feel his frustration. Micah, I don't know whether you heard the bit where Gaz asked him about the overhead kicks at the end of the game, you know, his overhead mm. kick and gone, that shows. Yeah. And he was, on, he was on about his when he hit his shin and what have you. He actually, did he hear him say what he said? Yeah. I give Micah the absolute run around that game. Yeah. I don't know whether you saw that or not. <laughs> I didn't hear that bit, mate. I no, I did. I've just made it up. He never said it. No, he didn't. But it was good to see your feature in the show, Mike, as you tried to head it as he overhead it into the top corner. Uh, anyway, I enjoyed having Wayne in the studio. Um, let's get back to, to Liverpool. I mean, crikey. I mean, it just shows you, doesn't it, the depth they've got in terms of their young talent. And there, and I, I saw Jaden Dan's this little post-match interview. I saw it this morning on social media, where it's oh, the best day of my life. And then, I mean, he's I mean, to score two goals, and and I thought he did really well when he came on in the in the Carabao Cup final as well, yeah. didn't he? Against Chelsea, I mean, brilliant. I mean, then Klopp trusts them. I mean, some people say, well, you know, he's not doing to take too many chances with these players because they've got so many injuries, but they still, I mean, to beat. A side that been going really well in the championship by three goals to nil with a, basically a youth team is it's pretty impressive. You know what the most impressive thing for me was is when you win something, we've all won something, and you win the, the League Cup, you're still a youngster. And to be able to put that aside and then perform at that level because... Mm. 
when you're a young player and obviously you two are the greats of the game, there's always a moment in your career where you feel like I can relax now. And it comes at different stages for different players. So they could have easily took their foot off the gas and just thought, right, I've won a League Cup now. I can, you know, if I go get some minutes, if I go get some minutes in the championship or whatever, go on loan and everyone knows my name. But to perform like that at Anfield, score in front of the cup, and it was the delicious dink Mm. As well, you know, you've talked about it. We talked about it just the other day, guys. Yep. The keepers come out. The, yep. the way they come out, if you just take that little second and lift it, and the way he explained that in his interview as well, it was just brilliant. And I know his dad. I know his dad. And I'd like to see his son doing so well. Yeah. It's just amazing. You know his dad, dear. Well, I know him from around Liverpool and whatnot. He was he had a career himself all yeah. around the the different leagues. It was uh, it was Neil Dans, wasn't it? Yeah. His, uh, his dad, and he said in his interview, his son basically that his dad was crying on his debut. So it's just a great yeah. moment yeah. for the family, and you know, long may it continue. Come on, keep going. I was just yeah. about to say that, Micah. Can you imagine how? He's feeling this morning. It's his, I mean, it's his absolute dream. Two goals at the cop end for his club at such a young age. You got then he has to go out and do his own work. <laughs> <laughs> and I could, I listened to his interview as well and I just thought, wow, isn't that brilliant? It's the best day of my life. It's only going to get better, mate. Honestly, if you stick in there and work at it, then wow. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that he did that little dink because, as you, as you said, we had that conversation, didn't we? I think it uh, the other night. And all the goalkeepers now do the same thing. When you one-on-one, if you come out, they all come and they kind of put one leg and they slide the other out and they go low and they try and make themselves big, but they actually, by spreading their legs, they lower themselves. And what you can do on that when the keeper's coming out and they all do the same thing, you know what they're going to do. You've got two options. If you're really close to the goal, you can do the little scoop. And if you're further out from the goal, you go round them. You just drag it because there's no chance that they... I mean, I can't understand why more strikers are not going round keepers now because it's so easy to do when you're running at pace and they're coming out and you know exactly what movement the keepers do because they're obviously all trained to do the same thing now. And strikers need to think about it a little bit more and just drag it onto your... Either way, you can go either way around the keeper or, or the little scoop. But so many of them try and like knock it through the keeper and they end up hitting the goalkeeper so frequently. I find it exasperating, particularly if it's my team. Well, sorry, can I just ask you guys? I mean, a lot of strikers told me that I played with to aim for the goalkeeper's legs. Even Joe Hart told me to that. Because we, we said we can't get down quick enough. So if we come out and spread, aim for between the legs. Hmm. Did you guys do that or not? That's only if they're near their line. I, I think that's at an angle or something like that. If the, you know, if you come in at an angle, what I'm talking about more is if you directly through on goal and Foot it's goal. straight middle of the goal, whereas you can drag it either way. Okay. You're t- I think that's more probably. I would say if the ball, if you're on an angle, you know, like on the corner of the six yard box and the keepers come in, well, it's really quite hard to. I mean. From a, if you're actually hitting it from a range, so it's slightly different if they're near their line, okay. because then you've you, you know you can't really scoop it so much. But the options there are to hit it high into the net, hard, 
or actually either go through the legs or try and get it off the far post. Just weigh up your best options. You, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. The be- that's the beauty of the best yeah. strikers. Yeah, and good finishes will will work it out really quickly. You analyse it within a second of what the best option to do. Did you see Haaland yeah. the other night? His first, yes. two, first two goals power. I think it was his hat-trick goal where Scoop. he got in there and he just dinked it over again, didn't he? Yeah. Just weigh yeah. it up in that split second and that's that. That's what the best strikers do. Can Liverpool's young players persist in this? It'd be interesting to see how many of them play perhaps in their next game. Well, they might have to, guys. That, that's injuries. my point, yeah. Whether you can maintain that level, though, it's difficult for young players. When the, a lot of the big hitters are back for Liverpool, they'll be back in the team and the youngsters will be out. But that all depends how long the injuries are going to be. But I think what Jürgen has done is that great belief and the confidence that will give those boys. And, I mean, if they've gone into the cup final, they've gone into the FA Cup game last night at Anfield, they've not been faced at all. So... From now to the end of the season, if he has to use them, I think there's no problem. He'll use them and he'll trust them. Yeah, I think that I've I've heard they're um, creating a crash at Anfield. <laughs> <laughs> How to invest in your academy, though? How to invest exactly. in your academy? Yeah, well, that's exactly. it. Absolutely right. Uh, Chelsea, important win for them. I mean, Leeds took an early lead. Um, Chelsea went ahead and then Leeds equalised, and um, it was just, it was. Conor Gallagher, wasn't it, with a late a late winner? We had that game on as well in the studio. I was, had half an eye on it because the draw had come out at seven o'clock. So interesting to see who Leicester might play. Tough draw for Leicester as well, Alan. I mean, you won, but difficult Chelsea away. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of that game, guys. But I spoke to a Chelsea supporter on the way home last night who was at the game. And he said, God knows how we won that game. We didn't play well at all, yeah. but I'm not really bothered. We just needed to get through. Yeah. That was his analysis of it. Yeah, no, I'd, it was quite end-to-end stuff, but I thought Leeds played... Leeds, I think Leeds are a decent side. I think yeah, they are, yeah. I, I fancy it's Leicester and Leeds will, will probably be the two sides promoted back into the Premier League. And I think they've both got probably Premier League squads. Certainly Leicester. I think, you know, the fact that Leicester won the other night, which we'll come to... Uh, well, we can do it now. Um, <laughs> I mean, they, it was pretty much a reserve team, but it was a reserve team you looked at and you thought, that's a strong side. You know, they've got some decent players in there. And then one or two players like Pereira came on, Fatawu, who is a real precocious young talent. I don't want to talk him up too much because Leicester have got him on loan. So hopefully they'll just sneak him. Um, Where's he on loan from, Gaz? From Porto. Um, he's, he's, not, he's only just turned 19. And... I mean, the goal that he scored was fabulous. Cut in on his left and bent it in the top corner. And he's got this infectious personality, a young man. And there's a lot of socials of Leicester of him celebrating after every game. He's got like a really lovely personality. There was a little clip that they showed on Leicester's feed where Maresca comes on at the end and and Fatale runs up to him and went... Did you see my goal? Did you see? <laughs> and then, and then, then the manager goes up to one of the other players and said, "Did you hear him? He's asking me if I saw his goal." I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a lovely little personality. Um, Connor Cody played as well, didn't he? He did. Played really yeah. well as well. Clean sheet of 120 minutes extra time. So yeah, Good that's him. what happens. You come on the pod, you start, you back in the team. All goes oh, well. Man. There's something about the FA Cup, though, isn't there? When you, with your teams playing and uh, cup competitions, it's, it's it's special. A lot of it's funny. We've got to the latter stage of the competition. I know most of the championship sides did play kind of second string, weakened sides. Not all of them, 
But I think that's probably down to the fact they do play 46 league games a season. I get it more, or I get it a little bit more for the teams that are actually in the position that Leicester are in and Leeds are in because mm. of the the pull of the Premier League, the might of the Premier League for them mm. to get up. That's where they want to be. So I sort of, I get it more for the teams that are doing that. I was actually disappointed Leicester did it in a way because I, I think there's also, I think they sometimes... I know they're trying to keep players fresh and, and fit, but after had two difficult results, Leicester, that they'd lost, particularly the disappointment the Leeds won, even though they played really well at, against Leeds and were unlucky, obviously, with the decision. But then you think, crikey, you know, if, it's, if he ends up three games on the bounce without winning, suddenly there's a little bit of a crisis. But in the ideal scenario was what happened. You play a weekend team and they still win. So they got away with that. But I'm, I've always, we know we're old school. We've played, you'd want to play every Wednesday, every Absolutely. Saturday, every week. You want to miss an FA Cup fifth round tie. Nah, Would well, you? From, from my point of view, personally then, I wasn't interested in training. Just let me play the matches, all yeah. of the matches, if I was fit. Exactly the same. Why has it lost its prestige a little bit? To, is it, you just... Do you just think it's games? I don't think it's lost its prestige. You've got to remember when I was growing up and Alan was growing up, and even Wayne Rooney said it, it, it was the biggest It was the biggest circus in town, the FA Cup. When Indeed. I grew up, you didn't dream of winning the first division title or Premier League, as you call it now. You dreamed of winning the FA Cup or the World Cup. But club football, it was the FA Cup. It was the big thing. It was the only game you'd really see live every season on television. Yeah. It was massive. So it's never going to have its stature that it had before, but it's it's still hugely important yeah. and can you know absolutely make your season if, if you're successful. Could we change it a little bit in the early rounds and not have replays and go straight to penalties? I mean, I get always get lambasted for this because I've thought that for a while. That I, but now they have replays in the first two rounds, which is... You know, and they say, well, it's a chance for the, the you know, the, the smaller clubs to get some revenue, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think that they could work a way around that, that the, the club in the lower division gets all the revenue for the game. I don't think that'd be too difficult to do. I definitely think that extra time should go generally in all rounds because I occasionally you'll get a good extra time, but mostly players are tired, so they don't want to make mistakes and to be honest, I think the vast majority of us, when we're watching on television or even when we're at the game, if you're a neutral, you just think, I really want it to stay like level now. So you don't want anyone to win it in that time because you, because penalty shootouts are great. They're really entertaining. But Agreed. I think we'll gradually shift in there. I think, but, but I think extra time is, is pointless. I just, I just don't get it. Let's take a breather and then we'll do some extra time. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to The Rest is Football with Alan Shearer, Micah Richards and me, Gary Lineker, talking about the FA Cup. We've reached the quarterfinal stage now and it was a testy one, wasn't it? A really nervy evening for certain Alan Shearer um, <laughs> uh, at Blackburn. We, we were all there and there were times you were getting a little bit frustrated, <laughs> Alan, but you, you found a way through in the end, albeit on penalties. Oh God! It was uh, it wasn't a great performance. Got the goalkeeper to thank Dubravka, who was yeah. Newcastle's man of the match. He made some wonderful saves, and of course, made two good saves in the penalty shootout as well to get through with the yeah. with the very last one. But again, very much like Manchester United with the season that they're having. I mean, I think they're tenth in the Premier League now, Newcastle. Mm. So to win that cup tie the other night and keep the season going was hugely important for the club and of course for Eddie because he was under a little bit of pressure as well. Much the same, not really bothered, just had to get through and they did that by hooker, by crook, mm. mainly by good goalkeeping. And they're into the next round, but they've got a bloody hard tie. They really have. Yeah. It's, a, it's the one everybody wanted to avoid and the four balls that were left in the pot at the end weren't they <laughs> it's Leicester, Chelsea, Man City and Newcastle and I was thinking oh no not City not City not City <laughs> are you confident now or what extremely <laughs> <laughs> but you never know the strange stranger things have happened Newcastle's name is on the cup this year, the FA Cup. We've said that the other night. We thought, and I, I, I actually said I've got a feeling you know Newcastle do it this year, but I, I've changed my mind now. Uh, <laughs> big shout out to Blackburn as well, though they were brilliant. I thought they had a real go, didn't they? Yeah, John um, Eustace and his boys made it really difficult for Newcastle, created some really good chances. And if they play like that, Blackburn for the rest of the season, then they'll be okay. Schmodix was good, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I mean. Number 10, number 9, number 8. He sort of variety of different positions. Really impressed me. Just the chances he got. He created the passing. A um, couple of his finishes could have probably had a little bit more composure. We spoke about that on, on the night. But he's, he's getting in there and has in a season. What is it? 24 goals was it out this season? 23, 24 goals? 24 goals, yeah. 24 yep. goals. I mean, he's having a, a stormer. And he's, yeah, he's definitely off him in the watch. FA Cup. I thought both goalkeepers played well. Pairs did, as well yeah. at the other end. Yeah, absolutely yeah. agreed. Yeah, he made a couple of good saves. So Manchester well, City yeah. come next. They didn't have too many problems at Luton, didn't they? Oh, he's got his arms up in City. the air, Mike. Yeah. 
Erling Haaland, five goals in 55 minutes. What's everyone talking about? He's having a drought, isn't he? What's happening? He's not the same. He's he's just come back from injury. I tell you what. Get up to speed. Having had, honestly, Mike, having had a career as as a striker and a goal scorer, and I'm sure Alan's the same, you used to get it all the time. I, you you go two games without a goal, or and and suddenly people saying, "Oh, he's 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 not what he was," you know. And you just think, "Well, hang on a minute." It's like <laughs> a week, two weeks ago, I was scoring. You were, honestly, the you know, you're either brilliant or you're hopeless as a striker, and never used to bother me because you know you just get on with it. But I used to think it was absolutely ridiculous. It used to make me chuckle. You know, you go two or three games without a goal, and it was like you were hopeless and actually you were always a flash in the pan and all this kind of nonsense. You get used to that, don't you, Alan, as a striker? You do. You just, that's why it's so important not to believe all that crap and just believe that it'll come. And more often than not, it does. You have belief in your own ability. And it is, you're right. When you've been out with an injury, there's always people, oh, he's not quite the same or he's this (laughs) or he's that. But you always get the opportunity to respond on the pitch. You don't think it annoys me about it so much as regardless of if he's playing at his top level or not, he's going to score 20 to 25 goals a season anyway, just from his movement, because City creates so many chances. And Al, you actually said that, didn't you? When City was winning a league with, without a, a number nine, you said, actually, once they get a number nine, he's going to score 30, 40 goals just because he'll be in the right positions. And yes, some of his link-up play is not as, as elegant as, a, a, say, a Harry Kane, but he's in a team that are always creating chances. So it's, you know, irrelevant about that side when you've got Foden and De Bruyne behind you. He's always going to score goals. Four assists for De Bruyne. His first four goals, Haaland scores. De Bruyne assists. How many times are we going to say it? Dreamland as a forward for playing, playing in the same team as him. Yeah. Some of the passes he's doing, though, is, is ridiculous. The positions he, he, he takes up, normally that number eight, number 10 role, sort of come from passes just from the central, but he can do it from either wing, centrally, quarterback. We've talked about him playing so deep as well. He's, he's phenomenal. It really is. Is there a better midfield forward partnership than De Bruyne Haaland? Um, that'd be uh, a t- yeah no there's not Gerard no. Suarez was pretty good you could go maybe Kane and Son although Son's more of a forward yeah more of a forward isn't he yeah. so yeah. Uh, De Bruyne's on a different planet man he's just outrageously good for a forward we've said it you know when he gets it move you're off he's going to find you hmm. I mean his tap in you might, the tap in the other night when he gave him the tap in <laughs> I mean so many other people would have chose to have a shot there and score themselves but he just said there you go have another one put it on a plate for you it's just brilliant we ought to mention Wolves because producer John would be upset if we don't but he did say in the break he went I wouldn't bother talking about too much about <laughs> Wolves Brighton it was absolutely shit <laughs> um, and didn't he score after the first couple of minutes I think they went 1-0 up and then yeah. yeah there was a goal after two minutes so he thought it was going to be a good game wasn't it? and then no what and a, it, again though big shout to Gary O'Neill my god yeah. what a job he's doing yeah unbelievable flying in the league quarterfinals of the FA Cup brilliant job yeah, I mean, you know what it's like with coaching and, and managers. 
you start eulogising about someone and then they lose four games on the trot and they're out their job. So you need to be always be a little bit wary. But, you know, he, he really seems to know what you... When you listen to him, he knows what he's talking about. You can see that the players have bought into what he does. He plays aggressive, attacking, pressing football. Maybe he's, we've struggled to find great England coaches and, you know, we can see that in Premier League history. There's not been an English coach that has won one yet. So... Maybe he'll be that special coach. I don't want to build him up too much because it's what we said before, but you never know. It's hard though, isn't it, guys? I mean, we thought that about Potter. It's all dependent, no disrespect to, to Wolves fans, what his next move is. Has he got the control of getting in the players? Do they buy into the style of football that he wants to play? And then can he do it at a a team with more pressure. Because ultimately, when we talk about the likes of Anthony and Martial and Pogba not doing it at Man United, a lot of it is to do with the scrutiny of the club and it's just whether he can deal with the outside noise along with getting the players to buy him yeah. to what he's doing. I think that's the next challenge for him. Mike, you just mentioned the name Paul Pogba there. Um, and honestly, actually, this very second, we've, the breaking news is that Paul Pogba is, I'm just going to read this, has been banned from football for four years wow. um, due to doping. Uh, I mean, he's 30 years old now and he's under contract with, with Juventus, not allowed to play professional football again until 2028. I wonder a little bit generally, I've always had a slight fear in recent years about possible, you know, performance enhancing drugs within football. You know, a lot of players now playing a lot longer than they used to. And I know things have improved in terms of the medical situations and stuff. But I, you know, it's, it's, it's in most other sports. And when you consider that the amount of money involved in football, if you can, you know, perform a little bit better, the vast sums that you could get, the temptations must be there. I, I suspect that Pogba's not the only player to do this, but it is a worry. I think it is for all sports. Why would you though? Come on. I mean, Jesus. I know. I just don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And he's been found guilty, so he's got to take his punishment. There have been issues around, you know, football. And, and you, you've he heard rumours with Italian football for a long time and possibly sometimes Spanish football. They had issues there with Real Madrid doctor a number of years ago. You know, nothing came to fruition particularly, but there has been the odd case here and there. But it's a question for the sport and a worry for the sport. It's whether they, you know, do more doping now, more testing um, to try and keep it as as clean as you possibly can, but I think it's it's a dilemma that all sports has. Uh, let's finish this um, this episode, um, which is obviously that story was just breaking, so we thought we'd talk about it. But, um, but I want to mention it, Maidstone. They've had a great run. Obviously, they got a good hiding from from Coventry and Ellis Sims scoring a hat trick. But um, yeah, it was a, what I felt was a big pity was that they didn't kind, of, with all due respect to Coventry, that they didn't draw a. A Manchester United or a Liverpool or, or or even, you know, one of the big boys. Yeah, but it didn't, I mean, I, I watched that the other night. I, it didn't dampen their spirits. I mean, the, no, the no. support they got off their fans at the end, I mean, they've been smacked all evening, really. But but the support that they had and the, the reception that they gave the fans back in terms of, they've had a great run. They've made a, a, a right few quid for their football club, which should stand them in good stead going forward. So it's been a great success for uh, for them this season and hopefully they can build on it from uh, from now until whenever great great story isn't it 
Uh, yeah. Great for, for, for all the players, the fans. And that's why we love the FA Cup so much. Yeah, it does. It gives you the, the underdog that little chance. Who's going to win the FA Cup then? Man United versus Liverpool, Man City versus Newcastle, Chelsea, Leicester, Wolves, Coventry. Tsunami! <laughs> I agree it's going to be City, Micah, and that is uh, Leicester City. <laughs> Uh, so um, that's it um, for this episode of The Rest is Football. Hope you enjoyed it and um, we'll be back after the weekend. Uh, goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Have a good weekend. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts.